This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes. Until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental and more. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Good evening, Cherries fans, and welcome to this latest special show here on Up the Cherries in All Departments. Now, before I welcome on my special guest, here's a little bit about our sponsors, Dental on the Banks. what they can do for you visit dentalonthebanks.co.uk now my special guest today has played for AFC Bournemouth Yeovil Town Doncaster as well as a couple of non-league sides as well also does the number two minutes and 30 seconds ring a bell to you it remains a record. I think the fans amongst us will know exactly who is coming on. It is a pleasure to welcome onto Up the Cherries in all departments, James Hater. Evening, James. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Yes, nice to be here. Thank you so much for coming on our show. Um, so we're going to start at the very, very beginning. You grew up on the Isle of Wight. What were your earliest footballing memories growing up? Um, playing for a little local team over there, basically, called um, Lake and New Church. They were the closest team, basically, to my, to my house. So just sort of playing for them and always loved football. I remember mum and dad always telling me from the minute I could really walk, really, I'd always had a football with me. And it's just something that I love doing and would always play in my spare time after school. And yeah. Like I say, played for a little local team. I think started at back then. It was sort of under nines. I think was the earliest they sort of started, and now it's a sort of a, a lot younger. But yeah, I think I was playing for them when I was sort of under seven, under eight, and sort of just worked my way out from there, basically. Nice. So, who did you support as a kid, and who was your favourite player? Um, teams I supported it was it was Liverpool back then because they were sort of really the main team, but um. Obviously, being on the Isle of Wight, it was difficult to get to games. I didn't really get to sort of many matches. My dad was a West Ham supporter, so I sort of looked out for them. And then, as you sort of say there, it was more players that I actually liked. Um, Love Chris Waddle, sort of growing up. Obviously, Gary Lineker. Um, 
look up to players like them. And then obviously a little bit later, the sort of Alan Shearer and stuff of being a goal scorer and just his his mindset and the and what he sort of did basically in the amount of goals he scored. Yeah, he was another one that I looked up to. So James, did you always want to be a footballer? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was my my aim as such. And obviously a lot of kids did want to do it and it, that was sort of everything that I, I sort of worked towards. So it was, yeah, I was lucky enough with having some really sort of um, helpful parents and, as you say, sort of being from the Isle of Wight, it's difficult sometimes, but my dad was great at taking me places and sort of making sure that I was always available for to play for teams. And then I say, as I got older, I started going for trials and playing for teams on the mainland. And it was, so I was lucky in that, in that sense that I had sort of really supportive parents and um, yeah, no, they, they, they were, they were brilliant for me. Nice. So you joined the AFC Bournemouth youth system. How were you spotted and how were your early days at the club? Um, I was spotted, I just said, going for a trial, actually. I was. I played for Brighton as a schoolboy, under-15s and under-16s. And I got told, I think in the January time, leading up to in the under-16s, that I wouldn't be getting a, a YTS. So it was a matter of going for a few trials. I went to a few different clubs and, and lucky enough, I... Ended up going to Bournemouth, got asked back for another trial. Um, and then sort of played a few games for them at under-16s. And I think I was the last one to get selected for for a YTS. I think there was there was eight of us in total. And I think I was the eighth one that, that actually got taken on. What was it like at the club in those days? Did you have much contact with Mel Machin as a youth team player? Yeah, we we had a fair bit because obviously it was a it was a small club back then. We would we'd all train at Chapel Gate was um the training ground. So the first team would be to the pitch next to us and we'd be training like right next to them. So it was in that sense it it was great. Like you were in and around the pros from that very early stage and obviously we were based at the ground and um so we see the see all the lads there. We we were still doing the the boots and stuff, so you'd be allocated your couple of players whose boots you had to look after, and um, yeah, so you all have the contact with the first team, and like I say, Mel Machen and John Williams, they were always in and around, and so it was, yeah, you were all, like I say, had contact with them right the way through. Nice. So, tell us about the memories when you made your debut, Peterborough '96, '97. Yeah, I travelled a couple of times with the first team in the previous couple of weeks. I'd sort of to get a sort of a feel for it. I'd, I'd done quite well in the youth team, scored scored quite a few goals, and obviously the club at that time didn't have masses and masses of players. And like I say, well, I'd, I'd done reasonably well, so I got the. I think it was the week before that I travelled up to Chesterfield with the team and actually was a fish and chip man. Basically, had to get the fish and chip order and and the team <laughs> stuff. But it was. It was nice just to be in and around the team and with the first team, I, I warmed up with the team and stuff like that um, beforehand. And then I think it was the Tuesday night, I again travelled and I was named on the bench and um, wasn't actually the best result. Uh, we lost, I think it was 3-1 or 3-0, I think it was. But yeah, I think I got on for the last 15, 20 minutes coming on for, for Steve Robinson. So, I mean, it's something you dream about and to make my debut was was great. Did you find times hard after such a promising start for the Cherries, um, not getting in the squad? Yeah, you know, it was, it was um, there were difficult times. As I say, I sort of had that taste in the, the back end of my, my youth team. Then I think I started reasonably well in um, my first year as a pro, but then I had a good few months of, of actually not being involved at all. And um, you sort of, tend to worry a little bit and and things then. I think like the when the team actually went to the L, the LDV Vans final were played Grimsby, I wasn't didn't even make the squad or anything, didn't travel. And you sort of you sort of do do worry a little bit. But um I ended up going out on loan, I think, to to Salisbury like the following season. And um it sort of stuff turned around from me from there, to be quite honest. I had club had a few injuries and I'd done well out whilst on loan and then I came back and sort of got my chance and sort of played and I was pretty much in the squad from then on. So I think it is, it's definitely when you talk about it, it's having a bit of luck on your side and sort of biding your time and 
things sort of went for me at that at that stage. So just a quick one then. So when you were at Salisbury, how was it while you were on loan there? Um, I really enjoyed it to be honest. It was nice to be playing sort of regularly. I like I say scored a few goals. Um, Jeff Butler was the manager who was who was great with me and all the lads were all quite welcoming. So it was um I say not not far. I still trained at Bournemouth and I literally just went and played the games at the at the weekend and like I say it went it went well and I think it was Mark Steen was actually ill. Um and I got the call from from Mel Machen saying he's recalling me on loan and ended up starting against Man City on the Saturday. It was <laughs> it was crazy. So from going, I think I played Nunny and Borough the week before, and then it was oh right, you're starting against um Man City on on the Saturday. And it was like Christ, this is a bit <laughs> of a but I I done reasonably well and um yeah, no, I stayed pretty much in the squad from from then on. And I remember after Mel recalled you, James, um, you instantly scored LR 4-0 win at Stoke as well. Um, do you feel that the time at Salisbury, along with that game, helped you establish yourself in the side? Yeah, definitely. I, I think um, we've talked about sort of back then, it was great. You're always in and around the first team. There was like a proper reserve team then, so I played quite a lot with the in men's football as such. Um, and then having that that spell of having competitive football on loan at, at Salisbury and then coming back and doing quite well, it it definitely boosted my confidence and sort of set me up for for the rest of my career, I suppose, as such. Okay, so you scored four goals in a 5-2 win against Barry. Tell us the story of that day. Um, I don't know. I think we were on the weren't actually having a great run at the time. I don't think we'd, we we weren't doing brilliantly, but um, just sort of things went right for me, I think, on that day. Um, yeah, no, ended up scoring four. I think it was Peter Grant's first game, actually. Uh, so he'd, he'd sort of come, and um, I think it was his first start, and and it was Warren Cummings. I mean, he spoke about it a couple of times. It was his first game on loan, and um, yeah, no, managed to... Managed to score and they just basically kept on coming the whole game. Ended up with four goals and I think it five two. I think we won. Yeah, and yeah, that was sort of set us up for that season. And I think Jermaine came in the week after, um, and that sort of yeah. Sorry, Jermaine Defoe come in on the Tuesday. I think after that, and so it was yeah. We had a, a good run and just missed out on the playoffs that that season. James, I, t- I tend to remember as well, there was quite a lot of clubs at the time who were chasing your services. Um, but you remained with us. What made you stay at the club instead of moving elsewhere? Um, I really enjoyed my, my time now. I loved the club, loved all the lads that were there. So um, there was a bit of interest in a few clubs at but um, there was nothing that I sort of really fancied at that time. I, I probably could I could have gone to Bristol City a couple of years before I did end up moving. I think Huddersfield, a couple of other clubs that showed interest. But it was it was all the similar league, and I was thinking if I'm still in League One, I was at that stage. I was thinking that I, I really I want to stay here with Bournemouth and see see how well we can do here. Like I said we had a really good set of lads. We had some really good players like at, at that stage as well say Wade, Gareth O'Connor, like Carl Fletcher and you sort of you actually thought we looking back, we probably actually should have done better than we actually than we actually did. Um yeah, no, it was no, I just really enjoyed the place. So you played in the playoff final victory against Lincoln City in Cardiff. How proud of a moment was it to play in that game? Yeah, yeah, it was brilliant. Um massive stadium, obviously getting to get into a, a playoff final. I felt like I played a big part. Like I scored a couple of goals in the in the semis um, against Barry, I think it was. And yeah, no, it was just a great game, and it was it was just so nice. Obviously, Carl Fletcher got them a couple of goals quite early as well, and like Steve Fletcher, I think we were three 0 up at half time. So it was we were in just just such a nice almost spot to be in as such, and we were never really. We were always quite comfortable in the game, so to actually play in a final like that was it was brilliant and obviously a great achievement after getting relegated the year before. Did you always have a positive feeling, James, going into that game that we were going to win promotion? Yeah, yeah, I think we we done well against 
Lincoln um, previously in in that season. Um, and I think like I say we were just quite confident really that for, throughout. Um, I say I had a lot of trust in the players around us. We we're all good friends, like all off the pitch as well. So I think that really helps. Had a really good team spirit and. Like I say, it got off to such a great start as well, and it just almost settles you down straight away. And it was, I just think it was almost never in doubt for us to to not win that game. Of course, you played up front that day with Steve Fletcher. What was Biggin like to play with? Yeah, I loved it. I loved playing with Fletch. It was especially sort of back then. You had a lot of centre halves who wanted to. They're always quite physical and stuff. So Fletch would almost take all the physical battle off off of me, and he would just sort of. I just have to gamble off his flick-ons. I, I love playing with him. Um, yeah, like I say, sort of defenders back then would tend to want to try and fight him, and they'd be attracted towards him, and it would just it would leave me some space. And yeah, we had a really good partnership and scored quite a lot of goals, like playing alongside him. So it was yeah, I really enjoyed it. And as we said before, like I got on really well with him off the pitch as well, and like still friends to this day. Well, of course, there was something that happened the following season. Um, and you know what I'm going to talk about now, James, don't you? Um, but l- I-, I tell you what, let's build it up a little bit. <laughs> Firstly, were you disappointed not to start that game against Wrexham? Um, a little bit, yeah. Um, but I'd, I don't know, I think everyone knows the story. I'd missed the game on the, the Saturday because my son had been born. So I'd, I'd missed the game at the weekend. So... I was disappointed, but I understood why I, I wasn't starting because, like I say, I'd, I'd missed the previous game and they'd, I think, I think it was at Brighton. Um, although they hadn't won, I think they'd have a, a, a good performance. So I can understand why I didn't sort of start. So, um, yeah, no, it was all I wanted to. The longer the game went on, you could see they had a man sent off as well. There was, I could see that there was chances being created. So I just think, oh, just want to get on because I think there's a there's a goal there for me and um I remember actually coming on and Steve Fletcher I come on for Steve Fletcher he went oh there's definitely goals here for you you know when literally come on the last 85th minute I think it was and three minutes later it was <laughs> a completely different picture yeah it was crazy and how mental it went afterwards you didn't realize obviously at the time quite how big it sort of was Yes, obviously, when you came on, tell us in your own words what happened next. Um, yeah, it was just everyone was just sort of talking about it, how quick it was. And I was like, yeah, it was sort of quick. And then it wasn't until, I say, afterwards, someone said, well, I think that could actually be a record. And then the later as it sort of went on that evening, it got bigger and bigger, the sort of story. And then I got a phone call from sort of the, the press press guy and said, look, we're going to have to do like an actual press day tomorrow. Can you come in? Um, because this story's getting bigger and bigger. And I turned up to the ground the next day and the more I sort of heard about it, and there was about 15, 20 press people at, uh, at the ground, and which was sort of unheard of for, for Bournemouth at that time. And had to talk about the story, obviously go through it all. And then it was, it had come out that my mum and dad had come to the game and they'd left early to catch the earlier ferry and uh, missed all the goals and we're listening to it on the radio. So that made the story even bigger. And yeah, no, it's a, it's great to look back on and um, yeah, it's just unbelievable really to, to have that record still to this day. What did your parents say when they realized that you'd scored that hat trick and they'd already set off for home? Yeah, no, I spoke to them straight after, um, they were listening to it on, I think, on Radio Solent on the on the way to the ferry, and heard that I scored one. They're like, "Oh, brilliant!" And, and then, like I say, within a couple of minutes, they scored a hat trick. Like, oh, for God's sake! So they've gone to get that earlier ferry. They they obviously disappointed that they did, but no, I think they've watched it a few times on video since. There was a later ferry though that they could have caught. Yeah, they could have. I think it was it was a ten o'clock or a midnight. So I think it was. So I thought, oh, we're we're we shoot off, get the ten o'clock ferry. Didn't want to wait around till till midnight to to get the last one back. And now I think they rude that for a while afterwards. <laughs> so when were you made aware that you had broken a record which had survived fifty two years? Um, quite quickly after the game. Um, like I say, that was I think it was Mark McAdam who was the the press officer. Then was actually sort of spoke to me, and he's the one who told me about coming in the next day and said that 
you've broken like a record and stuff but it wasn't until really the next day that I sort of came in and saw the amount of press and sort of how big it was and then I've got letters from Australia from like different people and like I had loads of sort of fan mail and stuff and it was yeah it was quite amazing sort of quite how big it it was you did score 94 goals for the club which of those goals would you say is the most memorable um poor tough one tough one most memorable actual probably most memorable is probably um the goal at the the new stadium um obviously brian stock got the first goal i i got the the second one but i've dribbled around a few players and slotted it in the corner that's probably the one that i actually remember most from my from my time at bournemouth obviously everyone talks about the hat trick and yeah that's that was brilliant but the one i yeah the one i actually probably remember most is is the first goal at the the new stadium sorry the second goal at the new stadium so how was it playing under Sean O'Driscoll and how pivotal was he in you eventually joining Doncaster Rovers? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I um, really enjoyed his training. He really made you think about about the game. And um, yeah, I, I, it was a really nice bloke. And yeah, it was, he definitely played obviously a, a major part, him and Richard O'Kelly and sort of why I ended up leaving. Um, I had him obviously as my youth team manager to start with and then he eventually became first team manager and no, just tactically, he was he was brilliant. Like really knew his stuff, and I think really knew how to get the sort of the, the best out of me. So it was it was almost a, a no brainer in the end, sort of why I sort of followed him and why I went and stuff. So it was yeah, no, I've got a lot to thank him for. Of course, uh, just going back a little bit, Sean left the club and Kevin Bond took over. What was your relationship like with Bond? Um, yeah, I got on got on okay with him. Like the first sort of time he came in, he was quite complimentary. He said that he'd actually he really liked me as a player, and um, he tried to get Harry Redknapp to buy me at, at Portsmouth when he was when he was there as an assistant. He, t- he sort of told me in that. Um, obviously, the club was a lot different sort of back then, and it was a little the season that I sort of had under him. I, I actually played quite a lot in midfield because um, I, I think based on the players we sort of had at the time, we had quite good strikers. We had um, obviously Fletch, Sam Vokes and Brett Pittman coming through. And um, yeah, I ended up playing in, in midfield a little bit and stuff. And it was a bit sort of disjointed that, that last season, but it was sort of our better players as such were all seems to be forward. And I think we got Dave McGoldrick on loan as well. And it was, so it was almost like, because I had done that in the past and and I, I could play a, a couple of positions, I ended up getting sort of moved around a bit and, so no, it was a little bit, like I say, disjointed that last season. But I, in terms of an actual, I got on quite well with Kevin Bond and his training was actually really enjoyable. Um, I think he obviously tactically was probably obviously not up to like where Sean was and, and stuff. But no, he definitely was um, had a decent relationship. So moving to when you went to Doncaster, the first season at the Keepmate was an eventful one. Do tell us the story of the season. Yeah, no, obviously ended up leaving Bournemouth that summer. It was yeah, still a difficult decision. I got pulled, you always go for meetings at the end of the season. So I got told in the meeting literally two days after the, the last game of the season that Doncaster had put a bid in and that I'm, I can go and speak to him basically. So um, yeah, no, I went up, spoke to Sean, had a look round, obviously the new stadium at the, the keep moat and stuff and the training ground and um knew that the the club basically weren't in the great greatest financial position sort of back then uh, obviously at Bournemouth and they basically sort of said to me that they want me to stay but they could do with the money to be quite honest I think they they needed that to get through the summer I think I've, I've said to it a few people before I think my last year at, at Bournemouth I don't think I was paid in full um once in that the whole last year I was there you always ended up sort of get getting your money, but I mean it was so it was it was obviously a completely different club to to what we're sort of looking at sort of now. So yeah, no, it was still a still a big decision because I I think I've been there eleven years at Bournemouth and nine years as a pro and I'd had I had um a testimonial written into my contract. I still had I think two years left, but 
I just thought at the end it was probably the, the best choice and it probably didn't it obviously worked out quite well um because obviously the, the end of that season ended up with Doncaster getting promoted and Bournemouth um ended up going down on the on the final day so no it was it was a that's how I enjoyed my time at Doncaster ended up with me scoring the, the winner in the playoff final at, at Wembley so it was ended up being a, a very good decision and of course in that playoff final um I believe somebody who you knew previously set you up as well didn't they yeah yeah no, <laughs> yeah no corner from from Brian Stock yeah we've obviously played a lot of lot of games at um at Bournemouth together and someone that I still speak to got a good relationship with and yeah no someone I spoke to beforehand about going up there to Doncaster and he had nothing but good things to say about it so yeah he's uh he set me up for that one and to be honest he set me up for a few over the years uh, I've, I've got to say yeah no he's a great striker the ball and got great delivery so it was nice to get a header straight on goal against and beat Leeds 1-0 like I said in the in the final considering that Doncaster hadn't been in the championship for well over 50 years did you realize the enormity of that goal and also what were the celebrations like? Yeah, celebrations were it was it was brilliant. Yeah, no, you you sort of did realise the enormity of it. I mean, you just look well the, the size of Leeds. We played them in the league that that season. I think obviously being obviously Doncaster, not far to Leeds. I think a lot of almost Doncaster fans, like first or second teams, were Leeds. And it was, I think, uh, well, you, you saw on the day, there was just a sea of white. I think there was 85, nearly 90,000 there that day. And there must have been 50 or 60,000 Leeds fans. And I think they'd managed to get in the Doncaster end and, and everything. So it was, it was massive for us to, to, actually, to actually beat them. Um, yeah, it was, a, yeah, it was a, ended up being a nice story. I, I hadn't actually played much at all the second half of the season um, when I was at Doncaster. I, I got injured in the January had to have an operation and because of basically how well they, they did after that, I think I came back in the February time. I, I didn't play a game until the playoff semi-final. That was my first start for like three months. And um, I was quite lucky because one, one of the other lads in the, the first game of the playoff semi headbutted one of the, the, the South End players and got sent off. <laughs> Which um, it worked, worked in, in my favour. So I, I played... Uh, the home leg at the second leg in the, the playoff semi-final against Southend it was, which we won 5-1, really quite comfortable. And then you almost knew after that, oh, we won 5-1, I, I must be playing in the final. So it was, <laughs> yeah, no, so it was, it was nice. Yeah, like I say, played there, managed to score the winning goal, which is, as a striker, it's everything you sort of dream of. You, you go there, go to Wembley, win 1-0 and you scored the winning goal. So it was, couldn't have worked out any better in the end. Obviously, disappointing for Bournemouth that that season. As um, I think it was actually well, it was we lost to Cheltenham on the last day of the season, which would have put us at Doncaster up automatically. But we lost, which kept Cheltenham up and made Bournemouth go down. I think after because the, they got the points deduction, so it was yeah, no, disappointing that way. But obviously, great for myself personally. So you played a little deeper due to Billy Sharp playing in a more advanced role for Doncaster in the Championship. How did you find that transition? Yeah, as I sort of alluded to a little bit earlier, I had played quite a number of positions when I was at Bournemouth. Even in my younger career, I sort of played wide quite a bit and midfield a couple of times. So, as you say, when Billy sort of Sharp come in, who was the number nine as such, we we sort of slightly changed and. Um, we played like a 4-3-3 at, at Doncaster and I played from the left and James Coppinger played from the right and Billy Sharp was up down the middle and to be honest I actually really enjoyed it, it was, he's a really good really good bloke um, really good team at, at, at the time and it was I was just happy to be playing in the championship so I was never going to really almost score the goals that I sort of had done previously at Doncaster playing from that position, especially some of the fullbacks you come up against in in that in that league. But um, yeah, no, we we done quite well and held our own for for a few seasons. I think four seasons we managed to stay up in the championship for for a team like Doncaster was 
was really quite uh, was really quite something. What would you say, James? Are the best memories apart from that playoff final at Doncaster? Hold up! What was that? Boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Um, probably similar to, to what I said before. So I had a really good set of lads. Um there so it was it was just a nice place to be around nice little training ground and yeah no we had a real togetherness and that's what sort of kept us going for a for a good few seasons like I say we we spent nearly four four seasons in the championship and just almost all unfolded in that last season where I think it really shows you how team spirit and stuff like that can be sort of split because I don't know if you remember that was sort of towards the Sean got the sack and then they brought in um, Dean Saunders and then that's when they tried the sort of the foreignish experiment as such when they started bringing in like Pascal Chimbondra and El Hajjouf and stuff and it caused a real sort of rift in the dressing room um, and it was basically that it was the, almost the beginning of the end then and we just sort of kept it was almost a matter of time before we got relegated so disappointing end to it but um, yeah I've got real good memories of my my sort of time there. So you left the club at the end of 2011-12 season and joined Yeovil Town, who had been expected to struggle. What made you go there? Um, speaking to Gary Johnson first and foremost, I wanted to to get back to a to near Bournemouth because I'm I well, class Bournemouth as my home, even though I'm from the Isle of Wight. I'm, obviously, I've, I'm sort of settled here, so I wanted to get back nearer here. That was one of the closest places I could sort of get with, obviously. I obviously tried to get back to Bournemouth, but uh, <laughs> they didn't want me at the time. Um, yeah, no, and Gary Johnson was a was a big draw. As I, I said earlier, he had tried to sign me at, when he was at Bristol City previous, and he, I think he liked me as a player. He said some good things about the club, and they were obviously a small club, and they hadn't, obviously with a small wage bill and, and everything like that, but I saw a couple of the players that he was bringing in, and and things like that. and he said that he said he thinks that they can they can have a real real go um which ended up being unbelievable for him. <laughs> ended up promoted in my first season at Yeovil and like I say I think we had the second lowest budget in the league at the, at the time and for for a club like Yeovil to get into the championships almost well that is almost sort of unheard of and it was just an unbelievable achievement the same thing like a real good togetherness real good group that he put together and yeah, real good memories of my time there. You're quite correct. It was the second smallest budget in League One that season. Um, and you didn't struggle at all. You finished in fourth spot. Were you surprised? How And how did Gary Johnson then approach the playoffs? Um. Well, we had, we had Sheffield United over the two legs. He was... We'd done... We'd um, beat them at home and we drew away in the in the actual in the league. So we knew that we we didn't have anything to fear as such. We we played them and done well against them in the league. And I think he really sort of just used the underdog tag. To be quite honest, it was look, no one's expecting us to beat these or to get promoted or anything. And he was pretty relentless in his the way he sort of went about stuff. And he was um. Yeah, it was just sort of almost that really play on the sort of the underdog card, and you couldn't really, um, yeah, no, it was just it was just really quite quite good. He always always pushed us and wouldn't let any of us slack. He was quite demanding in in that way. But yeah, I think that that was the big thing he did though. And then we actually lost the first leg, and um, 
he went mental in the change room afterwards and <laughs> um, nearly fighting one of the lads. And he, it was, yeah, it was was almost looking back quite comical. But um, yeah, no, I think that got up. And then we had such a good start in the, at the second leg at, at home and ended up beating Sheffield United. And yeah, no, just setting ourselves up. And for Brentford, we had in the, in the final who we played three times, I think, that season, twice in the league and once in the cup. And we, we'd beaten all three times. So we went there feeling quite confident. So as you've said, obviously, you overcome Sheffield United and Brentford in the final to get the Somerset club into the Football League. What was the day like and the memories made that season? Oh, massive memories, yeah. We have some, like I say, got some really good lads, lads together. Um, yeah, just a, it was a massive achievement just for a club like like Yeovil, who were averaging what probably three thousand, three or four thousand um, in League One, and all of a sudden we're we're going to Wembley with a chance of getting to play in the Championship against massive teams spending millions and millions, um, which we managed to do, and it was just such a real big achievement. And like I say, real good group of lads that we had there, everyone sort of working for each other, and it was say good some good friends that I've still got to this day just from from that group and lads that have moved moved on and done well and gone on to sort of bigger and better things on off the back of that as well so it's, it's really nice and Yeovil managed to achieve some really memorable moments in the championship what would you say were the best and worst moments from the time in the second tier um I don't know, any sort of results we got were, were like unbelievable. Like, like I say, we're going to places like Leicester, Middlesbrough, like just playing at them clubs and and we did well. We made a, we gave a good account of ourselves. I mean, in the championship, I think our budget was probably it was obviously the lowest, but I think the next highest would probably have been ten times the next lowest, sorry, was probably ten times what our budget was. I mean, so we were really, really like obviously up against it from the start. But um, same thing, Gary Johnson. We had we had a decent squad. He managed to get some good loan players in as well. We had um, Shane Duffy come in, who went on to play for Brighton a long time. We um, Ishmael Miller, he managed to get in. So, and we made a real, we had a, a real good crack at it, to be honest. I think we ended up going down, I think we were three points. That, that was all that was sort of in it. And it was, which was no disgrace at all, like I say, for the actual budget we had and sort of and the actual size of the club. Um, disappointing and sort of what sort of happens then, quite a lot of the lads got moved off the back of that and it ended up, obviously, Yeovil ended up on a little bit of a sort of a free fall after that. But it was, um, yeah, now unbelievable to get there and to, to play against them clubs for a, for a team like that. So... Um... So with regards to while at Yeovil, you uh, played against Manchester United and it was one of the greatest games of your career. How did it feel with your son walking out as a mascot? Yeah, no, that was that was brilliant. He's um he's a massive Man United fan. Um so it was yeah, he was he was absolutely buzzing that I, I managed to obviously get him as a mascot that day as well when you just remember just looking at him in the warm-up and he was just mesmerized by just looking at Wayne Rooney. <laughs> he managed to um I the the captain Joe Edwards said he can walk out the front with me, so we were just literally he was stood next to Wayne Rooney, just looking up at him and just watching him. And I managed to get him a couple of shirts from from the game. And yeah, no, it's massive. Obviously, towards that was right towards the end of my career, and to be able to do that, and for my son to be able to be there, and like I say, be a mascot on that. Oh, that's memories that I'll always take take with me and and never forget. Of course. Playing for Yeovil and Doncaster, you did play a couple of times against the Cherries. Um, did you find playing against this football club that, of course, you started your career with and you hold in such high regard, did you find that difficult? Yeah, yeah. No, it, it was difficult, to be honest. Um, yeah, no, it was different, especially after Eddie took over as well and playing against him and two years running, we played it on Boxing Day and got the run around to be quite honest but when I was at Yeovil we couldn't get anywhere near Bournemouth and it was quite frustrating yeah it was weird playing there and um I went in the office both times afterwards just speaking to Eddie and that and it was just like I say it was just 
it's quite quite strange, quite surreal when you actually sort of look back. Um, I almost I didn't actually enjoy the games at all, like looking back on them, and it almost just wanted them sort of over and done with, to be quite honest. So you left the club after Yeovil were relegated to League Two. What do you think was responsible for the collapse of a side who defied the odds to get into the second tier of English football? Um, like I said before, it's easy. Like it was a little bit of just recruitment, to be quite honest. We, like I say, done really well, got promoted to the Championship, made a good account of ourselves in the Championship. Then that back five from that we had in the Championship. Every one of them left. We had the goalie, Maritstek, went to Sparta Prague. Luke Aylin, who's now at Leeds, he was our right back. He went to Bristol City. I think Byron Webster, he ended up moving to Millwall. Um, the other centre-half was, like I say, Shane Duffy, who went back to Everton. And then I th- think one of the big things was actually we lost the left-back, Jamie McAllister. He ended up, he was 35 I think like he was our captain and um, he didn't get taken on. He got released. And I think just basically the players that were brought in over that summer, just, it just didn't click and it didn't, just didn't, didn't really gel and losing that sort of many players. We lost um, the midfielder as well. Um, Ed Upson ended up, ended up moving as well to, to Millwall. So, yeah, it was just, it was basically that because of almost how well we'd done and obviously how small the club were, that teams are just cherry-picked, basically. So from that team that had basically been in League One to the Championship, five or six of the lads had, had left, which was always going to happen. They moved on to bigger and better things, which you, you obviously I've been there myself. But, um, yeah, it was just the lads that came in, it just wasn't, just didn't do as well. And it was... It was a struggle and Gary Johnson ended up losing his job. Terry Skibberton took over and then brought um, Paul Sturrock in for the, for the end of the season. And yeah, it just wasn't enough to sort of keep us up. And then I think it was basically my contract came out then. So it was a case of Paul Sturrock, I think, literally just got rid of everyone who was, who was out of contract, basically. They just sort of tried to start again, which is obviously disappointing in the end of my sort of almost my professional football career then I was 35 I think it was and so that was yeah sad day for me off, off the back of that but you sort of these things happen do you think the promotion to the championship with Yeovil was really considering what happened next and now that Yeovil are in the national league do you think that it might have been a cause for that spiral from the very start? It, I think you actually look at it, but it, it probably is, to be quite honest, because they were League One, they'd been there, they obviously were a conference team, they got up League Two, League One, I think they'd been in League One for, for quite a while, and like I say, had that promotion, done quite well, and yeah, I think it was just such that big turnaround of players, and to lose that, and like I say, if you, once you don't get that group together and it doesn't get right and you almost, as much as you um, get yourself in a winning cycle, the club had basically got itself in almost that, that downhill spiral and that losing cycle. And it was, they're hard to get out of. And um, yeah, it's ended up, obviously they went down to League Two. I think they had a season in League Two and then have gone down into the conference. So it's a shame to see where a club that would, had been in the league for quite a while is, is actually back down in the conference now. Um, hopefully they can... They can see the ways back out, but um, yeah, no, it's 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 difficult when you like say you get into that cycle of losing to to turn it around. So when you left, you dropped into non-league, but was reunited with Lee Bradbury. Was he the main reason for going to Wesley Park? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I spoke to him. Um, yeah, he was quite keen for me to sort of come there and so being back in Bournemouth and. Another big draw. I had two of my my good friends, um, Brian Stock and Warren Cummings, were both there at the time as well. So it was, and they both live live in Bournemouth. So it was almost a a no brainer as such. So it was, we could all travel in together to to Haven, and it was part time. And I'd started doing some coaching and stuff. So it was, it sort of it everything sort of fit then. And like I say, I was thirty five, thirty six. I knew that. I wasn't really, I, I did actually get offered a contract, um, a couple of other contracts, but they were still sort of conference and it, 
they were too far. It would have been moving for the sake of a year. It was it was never never going to be an option really. So it was um yeah no that that was my best option at the time and yeah I knew Lee Bradbury he was a another Isle of White boy um so um yeah and I knew him and after speaking to him it was yeah no I, I went there and, and enjoyed my time at haven't I ended up there three years I think I spent there although it was disappointing my first season we actually got relegated but then two promotions after that so it ended up being like I say successful successful couple of years there Believe it or not, we did have Bradders on a couple of weeks back, James. So um, yeah, yeah, I know. Yes. <laughs> I'm saying, um, but yeah, yeah. You, you spoke to him a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, he's a nice, nice bloke. I like him. Yeah, he is. He definitely is. But one thing that I didn't realise about you is you did spend a very short spell on loan at Weymouth. Um, how did you end up going there for three games? Um, just when I was a. Uh, my last season at, um, at Haven't, basically, I hadn't played much. I didn't play much in the last year. Mm-hmm. Um, the lads were doing really well, and I was just on the bench most most weeks. And Mark Molesley actually phoned up uh, Bradders, I think, and asked about uh, have we got anyone, have we got a striker or something? And to say, I think Bradders, out of respect to me, said, Look, I don't want you to go. He's like, But I know you obviously, if you want to go and play some games, um, Weymouth would would like to sort of t- to take you and um, and just basically gave me the option. He said, "I'll leave it totally up to you." And I said, "Yeah." And to be honest, I thought, "Well, might as well go and just play a few games." And um, yeah, that's basically how it came about. It's because I like to say I was sitting on the bench, having at the time. I think I was thirty seven, thirty eight. So I just thought, "Yeah, go go there for a for a little spell and played and." It, it, it was okay. My time at Weymouth, they were they were doing well at the time. But um, in terms of actually playing, I didn't didn't actually play. I think I played started one game. They had someone sent. We had someone sent off. So and obviously, being that age, I, I sort of came off quite early in that game. And but no, it was it's a nice, good little club down there. And yeah, no, I, I, it was just just to get myself a couple of games basically. So yeah. So what would you say from your entire career was your favourite goal? Favourite goal? Um, I scored one at Swindon for Bournemouth that I have good um, memories of. It was Brian Stock actually again sort of chipped it in over the defence and I sort of ran onto it and hit it first time on the volley into the roof of the net. That's one of of my best goals that that stand out. Another one for Bournemouth when I was under Mel Machin was at Wickham away. I think the goalies kicked it out and I sort of came straight to them in the halfway line. I've just dribbled and they've just kept back, backing off and backing off and I've hit it from about 20, 25 yards and it's gone straight in the top corner. So, yeah, um, that's one that I remember quite fondly as well. Stocky does like setting you up for important goals, don't he, James? Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, no, he set me up for a good few. I, I, I did say that earlier, yeah. And he, yeah, yeah. Uh, a, yeah, no, we had a good understanding. He, I, I knew... Obviously, playing with him for the amount of time, even played with him, obviously, Bournemouth, Doncaster, and then Haven't as well. And he would always look for me, and I knew he was making runs that he had that sort of quality to find me as well. So it was, yeah, no, really a real good understanding. Apart from Stocky, who would you say is the best player that you played with and against? Um, with. Uh, probably. John Oster, when I was at Doncaster, ability-wise, he was brilliant. Probably him and James Coppinger, um, who's obviously just sort of retired not that long ago, went on to play till he was 40 at Doncaster. He was he was brilliant, like great ability. And I think of any pro there at Doncaster, was you can't help but like sort of learn from him. He was probably the most talented individual that I played with. But his work ethic was second to none as well. Usually you get sort of people like that who tend to not be quite at it in training and everything. But day in, day out, his his attitude and his application were, were brilliant. And in, like I say, he was probably one of the most talented individuals I sort of played with, with the ball as well. So it's almost no surprise why to me why he ended up playing for that long and played so many games for Doncaster. And 
like I said, I think he played till he was 40 um, professionally. So, yeah, um, in terms of probably them two, in terms of actual best players I played with, against, played against some, some good players over here. Yeah, I'd say played against Wayne Rooney in the latter part of my career against Man U. Um, been lucky enough to play Man U a couple of times in pre-season friendlies. There was Mel Machin's testimonials. I think there was... There was quite a few playing that day. I think Ryan Giggs played. There was, I think it was Rio Ferdinand's debut for for, for Man U. So there's a few good ones I've played against. Um, yeah, they're probably the ones that stick out. Probably Ryan Giggs or so. So you're now in the AFC Bournemouth Academy training, the under-18s. What advice would you give to a player who wants to become a striker? Um... A lot of it is confidence, yeah. So, like I say, I do a little bit of coaching with the with the strikers in the academy. Um, it's to be confident in their ability um, is, is the biggest thing. It's, it's easy to say, but once you lose that confidence, you, you start worrying about stuff. So it's the people that, once they're at that sort of level, they've obviously got decent ability. They know how to strike the ball. They know how to. So it's to trust your, trust your, your natural ability and try and just be confident. And the biggest thing I'd say you, you're going to you're going to suffer setbacks and you're going to miss chances and you're going to make mistakes. Is to actually is how you just recover from it. Just try not to to get too downhearted by that and just um, be nice and positive. I'd say the biggest thing. I think most strikers they're always optimistic, so it's to, to, to try and sort of have that in that inside you and always think about that one's gone. Try and put that behind you if you missed it. Then make sure that you can carry on with them and try and score the next chance. I only found out the other day that you do have another job as well. Tell us what you do. And did you ever imagine getting into that line of work? And how did you even get into it? Um, yeah, no, I'm an electrician by trade now. Uh, yeah, been doing that four years. No, no, just over four years. So ended up sort of falling into it, to be quite honest. I was... I say finished at sort of heaven. I was doing some coaching, but um, and I got it was through a friend of a friend, an opportunity come up that he was looking for people to sort of um, he was expanding his business with and taking on some more electricians. So it was sort of almost like I say, just sort of fell into it, and I just sort of, yeah, I thought I'd sort of give it a go. So yeah, but I've been doing it a, a few years now. So work for a company in full time. So it's yeah, no, I've enjoyed it. We've got quite a good set of lads, and so you've still got that camaraderie as such, and you're, um, yeah, some some good blokes and that 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 I work with, and yeah, obviously a bit different to to being a footballer, but yeah, no, it's it's I've I've enjoyed my time like like doing it, and I say I still do a bit of coaching and stuff, but um, there's only so many positions for 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 people and stuff, so there's I was only part time and. Obviously, you need to need to do other stuff as well. So, do you think your record will ever be beaten in the English football pyramid? Um, not for a while, to be honest. I think it it takes some beating. I think it, yeah, two and two and a half minutes. Uh, I think people are probably take too long celebrating stuff nowadays. There's too many different things they're trying to do. So. I was just a quick hand up and I was off back to the back to the centre circle. So I think that obviously helped helped me massively. So yeah, no, I think people take too long to celebrate. So I think that's that's going in my favour. Well, let's be honest, it's not gonna happen in the Premier League because you know, if there's a VAR decision, it probably <laughs> takes two and a half minutes to actually sort yeah. that out, doesn't it, James? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think Mane was the, the closest one to it. He got there a few years ago at Southampton, I think it was. He was sort of three minutes something or just the fastest in the Premier League and uh, yeah I got a few phone calls after that um, got close but yeah like you say especially now with VAR in the Premier League yeah I think he's got no chance of, <laughs> of getting to that sort of time Would you ever go into football management if it was offered to you? Um, yes I'm not sure I probably would get offered that opportunity I think but within a, a first team environment I'd, I'd like to do something like that um, so I don't think I probably would be the actual manager but I could I could definitely see myself sort of working within like an assistant or sort of first team coach or something like that I could see myself doing something along those lines but um, yeah I'm not sure about the management I think it's a bit too stressful for me 
fair enough. And of course, one man that was mentioned earlier on, but I know you're very good friends with Mr. Steve Fletcher, the big and legend at this football club. Um, I know that he does watch this show as well um, from time to time. I'll make sure he watches this one. So yeah, I'll send him over the link. Um, but what was the camaraderie like with him? Because he's such a big character, such a lovely guy. Yeah, no, like I said earlier, he's my my favourite strike, strike partner that I've played with. He took a lot of pressure off of me and we, we really worked well together. But like I say, we, we clicked off, off the pitch as well. Yeah, he's a good friend and someone that we had a lot of good nights out with and, and a drink. And yeah, he's just a, a really good bloke very funny bloke as well and he was just great to have around in the changing room always make you laugh and um yeah no I'm, I'm lucky to sort of call him a friend and it's it's unbelievable what he's managed to achieve at Bournemouth and to, to still be there after I think it was his 20 year anniversary wasn't it recently not not that long ago and um mm-hmm. yeah so the amount of time he spent there from obviously going there as a 17 year old to still to sort of still be there now and he he is just Mr. Bournemouth. You just everything you sort of. That's what you, Steve Fletcher is Bournemouth. <laughs> Crazy. Um, final question for you, James. Um, of course, you said many nights out there. Is there any uh, stories that you could tell us? Um. Yeah, probably. <laughs> no, but, I mean, Fletch obviously had, uh, well, I'll tell you a little story about Fletch. He's a, a sort of northerner, obviously, he class himself as, and um, thinks he was a, he's a big drinker. Um, one year we did go as a fancy dress um, when we were at Bournemouth for a Christmas party. And to be quite honest, we stitched him up massively with um, with the drink. We, <laughs> we did spike him a little bit and... Um, yeah, he was. I'm pretty sure he was dressed as a cave woman. Um, we had to send him home in a taxi at seven o'clock in the evening. I think after being out um, because we'd spiked his drink basically. Because <laughs> and he would just remember waving him off, going "See you later, big And he's like, "You've done me. You've done me." <laughs> Somebody thought he could drink a lot, but um, yeah, no, that that was quite funny. So we we sent him off in a taxi at eight o'clock on our Christmas do. Um, to put him to bed. <laughs> Do you have any picture of this said night? To... I haven't. No, that's. A, I mean, that was the good and the bad thing, sort of back then. You didn't have the camera phones and all that. You could obviously get away with a lot more. But um, yeah, no, it's uh, no. We, I, I'm sure there was a couple of, of photos of of us. Uh, I think at a dinner table dressed as um, in fancy dress, but I haven't got any. I'm afraid. <laughs> Disappointed, disappointed. But no, thank you so much for coming on the show, James. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you and all the very, very best. Um, I don't personally think your hat-trick will ever be beaten. Um, I think your parents are always going to think, oh, no, should have stayed a little bit longer, should have waited for the next ferry. But, um, you know, you've got that record and I think... um, I can't see anybody beating it unless I think there's one person that did it in 70 seconds, wasn't there, for a Sunday league team? We were yeah. looking up, but then again, <laughs> if you're playing against Dog and Duff Athletic, it's a little bit different playing against Wrexham. So I, yeah, I don't think yeah. anybody's going to beat it against the professional football side. No, hopefully not. Hopefully not. <laughs> oh, thank you for having me anyway. Not a problem at all. Our pleasure, James. And thank you so much for joining us and all the very best for all the future. Cheers. Thanks. No problem at all, mate. And thank you, everybody, for joining us on this special show. Please do remember to hit the like, the subscribe and the bell button below to be alerted to any new videos we do here on Up the Cherries in All Departments. Please do check out that interview with Lee Bradbury that was referenced. Also, there was an interview with Steve Fletcher that was referenced as well. So do watch those. Do check out all the other interviews on this channel. We've had Harry Redknapp, Steve Cook. We've had Sean Teal, um, amongst many, many more on here. So do remember to check those out. Remember to hit the like, subscribe, and the bell button as well below. We do have more coming. But until the next one, 
up the cherries and I'll see you then. Thank you for joining us. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.